The cool thing about sales is there's not a 100% consensus on how everything needs to be done. You have a lot of opportunities that you haven't even thought of. And some of them revolve around doing the opposite thing that your industry does. So how do you make that work? Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Silvenbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios. And for today's topic, episode number 168, how being counterintuitive helps close deals. And I do want to give you a heads up from the very beginning that this is more of an advanced structure. Uh, This isn't something if I was brand new to sales that I would consider really rolling out, you know, uh, right from the very beginning. And there's a couple of reasons for it. One, it's advanced sales. Two, it's easy to screw up. And I'm I'm laughing because, you know, uh, overachievers want to take everything that they can get. It's like they have a library of information that they can hoard and pick and choose from. And I want to let you know that that is one of the struggles that I faced growing up in the world of sales is I wanted to know everything and how to do everything without mastering the basics first. It's one of the reasons why I really struggled in the beginning of the sales process is because I didn't get down sales basic mastery. I'm like, "Uh, sales basic mastery, let's skip that and go straight to the advanced. So it would be a mistake to automatically assume, hey, these are things that I'm going to do from the very beginning. And uh, some of my examples may not be the way that you would do it. May not would be may would may not be the way that you would say it, and I want to give you that very that upfront conversation that like you're going to have to search for your for your voice for the way that you would say it and the way that you would do it. And uh, the other thing is, not all sales trainers would agree with this. So I'm going to go out on the fringe and say there's going to be people who would say like this isn't what I would do, and that that's fine. That's fine. I'm I'm perfectly cool with that. So if you're like, hey, I have a religion and it's called sales and I do it this way, gosh darn it, and I'm going to stick to it and this is how I'm going to do it, probably not the episode for you today. And that's cool. Uh, You know, when you take a look at old school sales, old school sales is all about pressure and tie downs. And that had a time and place. It really did. And when you look at the evolution of sales, you know, in the 1880s, there was part of the Industrial Revolution. And there were small pockets of of people who were sales trainers, as we're going to call them. And sales was around, and it really wasn't like something super huge like it is today um, until like the 1940s after the war. After World War II is really when consumerism really, really began for the most part. Now, I'm having to speak in generalities. And if you're a historian, you're like, Scott, on 1932 on a Wednesday, like, no, please don't do that. Just understand, like this is a, a an episode of a sales podcast, not a history lesson for the most part. And so the way that we do sales has been around for let's say roughly 80 years, you know, two or two or three generations. And what worked 
two or three generations ago doesn't necessarily work today. And like I, I use this example a lot because if you think back of what was entertaining to people, you know, 20 years ago is completely different than what it was 40 years ago. It's completely different to what it was 80 years ago. But sales basic mastery stays the same. The, the, the structure and the functions are all there. They've just evolved over time. They've just, they've changed somewhat. People haven't changed. It's what people find it entertaining has changed. It's what people have find, found as a way for gathering information has changed. 20 years ago, it was the infancy of the internet. Not everybody had information at their fingertips like they do now. Now, somebody wants to buy a product or service, they go and they read online reviews, they look at the pictures, they look at, at how it's built, they, they find out that uh, this one feature is good and that one feature is bad. I mean, they're armed with information. And so with that being said, not only do you have to understand sales basic mastery, there is some changes that you can make that you can help set yourself out with to be different than everybody else. And some of these differences may freak some sales trainers out because they're like, that's not what I was taught. And that's, that's fine. I'm talking the evolution, the evolution of sales, but also to go with this is the understanding of psychology. We want what we can't have. And if you are all about pressure and sales, think about this. Are you going the right direction? You're, you're saying you have to do this. But what if you were saying you don't? What if you were going the opposite direction and messing with people's free will? That's what this episode is all about. You know, because the more that I pressure you, the more you got a little devil on your shoulder telling you no. Now, think about this. If anybody has little kids, I don't, but I've observed this a lot, that you tell a little kid to do something and they go, no, I don't have to. You tell somebody what to do in the right situation in a sales process and you know what they do? They go, no, I don't have to. But if we reverse it and go backwards and and do uh, what might be considered a takeaway or a reversal if you've been through Sandler sales, then this can be effective when done right. Um, I want you to know that you can't always agree with the buyer in conflicts. So this is not an absolute. This isn't something that works 100% of the time. This is why I'm saying this isn't, this, this is beyond sales basic mastery. This is an advanced move. This is like if you had a black belt in sales, this would be a black belt move. And with that being said, you also have to know that sometimes when you give, uh, you roll out price, you're at the final stages of your, your sales presentation and you're getting ready to go into what would be the closing pattern, your buyer has nervous energy. And nervous energy gets you to say and do stupid things, even when you're not buying things. You know, think about, the time that pressure is put on you uh, when you've been pulled over and you're like, you're like, I need to come up with a reason or an excuse why I did this. Or somebody asks you to help them move. <laughs> like these are the, these are the easy two things that for you to be creative about because everybody understands them. What is the time in your life where you're like, oh, I really don't want to help Joe move for some pizza and some beer, or I really don't want to help Joe move for some pizza and some root beer, depending upon who you are. And and with that being said, your buyer does the same thing during the presentation. They're looking for reasons. They're looking for reasons to tell you at the end, and they're rehearsing them in their head. And so you are going to have to calibrate. You're going to have to figure out when you're with the right person. And I can't give you 100% how to do this 
I can give you a lot of the framework. I can I can share with you that just because uh, somebody sales trainer A says that you have to close this way means that you, doesn't mean that you have to. Some of this comes down to your personality. Some of it comes down to the way that you interact with people. So some of this is your persona. You know, uh, when you take a look at what priming is, or when you, when you're setting an anchor for somebody. You know, in some sales processes, they teach you, hey, I just need you to give me a decision, yes or no, today, and no is a perfectly fine decision. And there's multiple ways that people say that. There's multiple trainers that'll teach you to say something along those lines that it's a tie down, that you have to do it this way. Now, what if I went the opposite and said, look, at the end of the day, I could care less whether you move forward today with me or not. And like, I know that there's salespeople listening, they go, I would never do that. And my question would be, why not? Why wouldn't you? Well, you know, I, I've got to get a commitment today. Okay. Well, in, in my mind, that is one version of tra- chasing pressure. That's one version of like, I've got to close today because I don't have anything else to offer. And I get it in sales. There's the phrase, be backs won't be back unless you set up the process the right way. So uh, when I work with in-home salespeople, I tell them to go to their presentations naked. And you're like, whoa, Scott, that's pretty wild. And I'm like, no, 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 simmer down. Naked, not meaning don't don't have any clothes. Naked meaning don't have a briefcase, a bag, uh, all sorts of stuff. It it seems like too 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 quick, too fast for a lot of people. So going naked might be that a guy has a calculator uh, on his phone. Um, a guy has a way to take notes in the phone if that's what he wants to do, and a tape measure. And the reason I say that is it's opposite of what the industry is. So like sometimes being counterintuitive is just saying, I'm going to do completely opposite of what the industry does. I'm not going to do it the way that everybody else does. So when I teach salespeople that do in-home sales to go to the door naked, meaning just have a tape measure because that's the one thing that people expect you to have, then sometimes that gets people to relax. So I learned something being being a heating and air conditioning technician like in 2000. 8, 2009, 2010. And that was that nobody cared what was going on inside of the equipment um, for the most part. All they wanted to know was that the refrigerant levels were proper. And so if they didn't see my refrigerant gauges hooked up to the air conditioner, if the air conditioner was broken, then they would think that I was trying to cheat them because it was the one thing that they could intelligently talk about. So when I tell salespeople in some industries to go to the door naked, if they've had other proposals from other companies and they're in a shopping position, they're expecting to have happen what every other person has done. And so this is the the normal reaction. Uh, sales guy gets to the door. I'm doing a ride along, goes to the door naked, meaning that they just have a tape measure. And the buyer says, wait, where's all your presentation material? And I'll teach the sales guy to just say, oh, we'll get to that. You know, kind of downplay it. You know, it's important, but downplay the importance. Because it gets people to relax. It gets people to calm down. And your industry, you may not be doing in-home sales. That's cool. But your industry has a version of this. Your industry has what everybody else does. Everybody else takes a, a computer and a note bag and all this other stuff. But what if you did the opposite? You know, uh, if everybody's going to the table with all of their content, what's something that's going to do to help your buyer relax? So this is part of the counterintuitive process. It's not just about like the closing sequence at the end. It's also about the opening sequence in the beginning. So in, in the process, 
you're going to have objections. You're going to have the people that you meet with give you some reason why they don't want to buy or what their problem or what their concern is. And you have to prepare for this in your presentation. And one of the ways that I've always done this is from the beginning and saying like, look, I'm not a sugarcoating type of person. I just, I don't have that function or feature in my brain. I just don't. So the good news for you is you're going to hear what I'm thinking. The bad news for you is you're going to hear what I'm thinking. And usually people chuckle and laugh. Sometimes people get a little little anxious, but there's a reason why I do that. One, it does take me a lot of effort to not say things that, you know, are not always socially acceptable because my brain just doesn't function that way. You know, my brain just says, this is the easiest and most convenient way to say it. This is how I'm going to say it. So you can use this strategy, but I want to give you a couple of warnings. There, there's a huge but here. I want to give you a couple of warnings. It's all about a good attitude. It's all about a good attitude. Think of it kind of like a flirty feel or a dry sense of humor. It's not like, hey, jerk face. I don't know how to sugarcoat things. I'm an abrasive person. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, that's not what I'm saying at all. And there, there, there's all sorts of elements to the sales process. People receive information differently. They hear information differently. So I'm going to give you a sort of a framework on the inside here. Somebody comes to me and, and says uh, something that's along the lines of objections of, let's say, I want to think about it. I'm going to say something like, I totally understand. I, I totally think that you should think about it. But I would also like to, you to consider these two things. Uh, the longer that you think about it, the less chances that I have of getting the product or service. Um, and there is a possibility the price may go up, but you know what? Think about it away. And then you let it go. Now, I'm not saying that this works every single time. I'm just giving you a possible scenario or a possible framework. And I know that for some people in your head, you're screaming, no, I would never let that happen. I would never do that. It's close, close, close. Okay, cool. All right, I get it. Totally understand. I'm just saying, what if there was an opposite way for you to do some closing of some deals? And you you have to be able to insert a bear trap. You have to be able to explain why every other salesperson wants them to buy today. Like, hey, look, you want to think about it? I totally get it. You want to get other bids? Totally get it. But here's what you're up against. You know, you're up against everybody else who's going to do these things. Here's Here's the situation. Here's what you're going to do. And uh, there are buyers that you meet with that you reverse the pressure on. That instead of giving them pressure, you give them the ability to say and do whatever they want to do. And when I said earlier, this messes with people's free will, it does because they're expecting you to be a sales guy or a sales girl that's all about pressure. And you could go into the sales the sell process. I mean, you could go into the closing process at the end. And you could say something along the lines like, look, I don't even know if you want one of these things. You know, because like everybody teaches certainty. They teach like you have to show certainty at the end end of the call. But like sometimes that reversal of like, look, I don't even know if you want one of these things at this point. I'm not even certain that this is what you're looking for. You know, I have done this after I've rolled price and had people go, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do it. Let's get it done right now. It's because it doesn't feel like everybody else's closing sequence. It's because it doesn't feel like what everybody else is doing. Does it work 100% of the time? No. Does it have to be with the right person? Yes. So you do have to calibrate. Uh, you could do the same thing with the follow-up process. You, can, you could do everything counterintuitive to what the industry is doing. 
And yes, you can close some deals. So like, I'm going to give you a couple of different things. One, if you're meeting with a buyer who you don't think is it's going anywhere, why not roll something like this out? You know, why not roll something with, with a buyer that you don't feel is ever going to spend money with you and see what they do. There's been a couple of times recently where my mind went, this person's not buying and I go, great game on time to be counterintuitive. I'm going to do everything I can to not sell the job today. I'm going to do everything I can to not, I'm going to, I'm going to actually try to talk the person out of making the purchase. And you know what happened is they flipped because I kind of met their energy where they were at. So if you're looking for a buyer to do this with, Sometimes it's going to be the person who you're thinking like, I don't think this other person, I don't believe this person's going to do business with me today. So why not take a look at it? Now, there are times in your sales career to do this. If you're at the bottom and you're like, nothing's working. Nope. Go back to sales basic mastery. Go back to the basics. If you're in the sales process and you're like, Scott, I've closed a ton of deals. I'm willing to try something on one call to see if it works this might be something to do. And you may find that you absolutely love it and it helps you close deals and absolutely crushes it for you. Or you may find like, I don't like this process, but I would challenge you to look and say, is there a different way to close? Could I close by being the opposite? Could I, could I open by being the opposite? Could I get people engaged by being the opposite? What is everybody else in your industry doing? Everybody else in your industry, if they sound the same and they look the same, guess what? That's a commodity. That's where everybody starts like, oh my goodness, this person said this, this guy said the same thing, this girl said the same thing. I don't know who to believe. They all sound the same. So you know what? Uh, $10,000, $12,000, $13,000. I'm going to go up the $10,000 offer because it's just, it, it makes it too complicated to decide the direction they go. So being counterintuitive in the sales process just doesn't mean in the closing process. It could be from the very beginning all the way to the end. Now, I want to give you one last warning. Don't be a jerk. (laughs) I'm not saying to be a jerk. Like when people hear counterintuitive, it would be the opposite. Well, I'm a nice guy. Well, I'm going to be aggressive now. That would be a mistake. Because if you're not naturally aggressive, then what you're going to find is you're you're not going to have that right energy to say it. You're not going to have the right energy to do it. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.